we're going to talk about today. I'm going to be very, very, this is very simple today. But I believe God's really wanting to get this on the inside of us. Just about our choices. Now the book of Hosea. He said this in Hosea 4 and 6. My people perish for lack of knowledge. My people perish for being ignorant. The message says it this way. My people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true. And so I look at this and I think whether we want to say it, it's a lack of knowledge or we're ignorant, it doesn't change the reality of the situations. In other words, you can't plead an excuse, I just didn't know. Well, in this situation right here, if he's telling us my people perish for lack of knowledge, then we better start understanding the things of God. We better start getting into it. And so when we talk about making right choices, every one of us in this room make hundreds of choices every day. To get up, to go to bed, what we're going to eat, how we're going to spend our money. We're just bombarded with choices every day. Now when I make bad choices, ultimately I'm going to live with disappointment or regret. How do you know that? Well, that's happened in my own life. When I've made bad choices, man, I live in a place of disappointment. But also, this is what can happen to many of us. When we continually make bad choices, it'll even stud our growth spiritually. What do you mean? I believe a lot of time our, our growth spiritually is stunted when we, we make the choice to run with people we know we're not supposed to. We're influenced by the wrong type of people. What ends up happening is they pull you away from God. Has that ever happened to any of you? Yeah. It stunted my growth spiritually. Also, I believe we can stun our growth by the choices of what we watch through media. What you watch on TV, what you go to the movies, what you allow your eyes to see on the internet. What ultimately will happen, it'll pull us away from God. I believe also what pulls us away from God or stunts our growth is when we get into addictive habits. But I want you today to go with me to the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 25 is where we're going to begin. Proverbs 25. Now this is what happens to us as human beings. A lot of you know the example of how you kill a bullfrog. You put him in a big old kettle. And the water you put him in, you have it very lukewarm. You know what lukewarm is? Comfortable. Where he gets in there. Boy, he begins to settle in. And what do you do? You just gradually begin to turn the heat up. And before long, he gets used or accustomed to his surrounding. And ultimately, he boils to death. Well, in life as human beings, we sit in what I call the hot tub of life. And when we continually to make bad choices and we live lukewarm, ultimately, it'll scald our souls. It'll begin to desensitize us to what's wrong instead of what's right. To evil instead of good. And ultimately, God's standards are now put on the back burner in, four, in, in, in place of our standards. And you know how it takes place? We move from God one degree at a time. Just a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there. Think about this. You don't go from zero to 70 just like that. It takes a little bit. Well, the same in life. That when I continually make bad choices, you move one degree at a time away from God. Ultimately, it gets us in trouble. Here we go. Proverbs 25, verse 26. 
A righteous man who falters, who gives in, the Amplified says, I believe he yields, he falls down, or he compromises before the wicked, is like a murky spring and a polluted or a ruined whale. Now, what he's talking about when a righteous man, someone who knows God, begins to falter before wicked men. In other words, how would I falter? I make choices where I don't live godly. I don't live by the principles of God. And so ultimately, I falter before wicked men. And you know what happens when that takes place? We cause young believers to quit trusting in God. When they see a righteous man falter, it messes them up. You know, I think about this. uh, The Apostle Paul said in Romans 14, 21, he said, Don't do anything that would cause another to stumble. The message says don't do anything that would cause somebody else to grow weak. Do you know what that's telling me? You can't just do anything. And so right here he gives us some ideas and he says, A person who falters, makes bad choices, is like a murky spring. Now think about this. How many of you have ever seen a river or a lake that's murky? You You can look down at the water... But it looks like it's really cloudy. And so you can't see anything with that. Well, that's what happens to us when we live this way. That when we quit trying to seek the things of God and choose to serve God, our lives become overshadowed by these bad choices. Now, in saying that, I think I can ask you this question this morning. Is your water on the inside of you, is it muddy? Is it polluted? What's your water supply like on the inside? Because when I make bad choices, ultimately, it's going to affect me on the inside. It's going to overshadow me. Now, go back into the New Testament with me to Romans chapter number uh, 5. Romans chapter 5. And as you're turning there, here's what happens, I think, a lot of times with us as believers. We believe one way, but we live another way. It becomes very easy to say, well, this is what I believe and this is how I'm going to live. But ultimately, my lifestyle is totally different than what I believe. Romans chapter 5. You're turning there. Let me, let me give you an illustration or a definition of wisdom this morning. Wisdom is to choose to do now what I will be satisfied with later. That's wisdom. When I make choices today that I'll be satisfied with later. In other words, quit trying to take shortcuts. Romans chapter 5, verse number 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now I want you to see right there the power or the influence that one person can have. You, me. Now keep reading, verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to what? All men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through what? One man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For if one man's disobedience, Adam's, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, Jesus Many will be made righteous. Now, one translation right there, it comes in and it says, 
where we make uh, sin, it talks about because of one man's bad choice. What did one man's bad choice do? It affected many. But because of one man's good choice or righteous choice, it affected many. So that's what each one of us must understand. I'm choosing things every day. Deuteronomy 30, 19 put it this way. I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Now I want you to think about that. Right there the word of God says, I've set before you life and death, blessing or cursing. And then he said, choose life. So life is a choice. When you live with life, it's attached to your choices. If you're living by a curse, it's attached to your choices. So each day, think about it, I'm making choices throughout my day. Either godly choices or good choices or bad choices. Now, go with me back into the Old Testament to 2 Kings chapter number 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. You know, my, my choices today will always affect my tomorrows. Now, where we're going in, in 2 Kings chapter 2 is a passage here, 2 Kings 2, about two men. One is a great prophet named Elijah. The other is his servant named Elisha. And in this passage, you'll begin to see that it almost appears like Elijah's wanting to get rid of his servant Elisha. Now, we're going to learn some things from this today. Begin with me. Oh, let's just start in verse 2. And I'm going to jump through here a little bit for time's sake. 2 Kings 2.2. 2. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now, it had been easy for him to quit right there, to stop. Verse 6. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But Elisha responded, as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now, when I read that right there, Elisha wasn't going to quit. I believe this with Father God, that he loves people who finish what they start. And in this passage, if you studied Elisha's life, he gave up everything, guys. He did not hesitate to serve God. Now, when we become a servant of God, guys, God notices what we're doing. God wants to bless us. He wants to lead your life, but a lot of this comes down to our choices. Now, keep reading with me. Let's just go ahead and start, and I'll keep reading real fast, verses 7 and 8, and I want to get to 9. And so 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them in a distance, while the two of them, Elijah and Elisha, stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way, and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. I don't know about you, I, I can't wait to see that replay in heaven. This is going to be a great one right here. I mean, you've got all these 50 other prophets, and they're watching the two down there, and Elijah takes his mantle, pops the water, and it opens, and they walk across on dry ground. Pick up with me now. Verse number 9. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, 
Ask what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you. Now, right here, Elijah tells him, what do you want me to do for you? In other words, I'm giving you an open invitation. Now, listen real close here to Elisha's response. And he said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. I'm telling you guys, this was bold. This was a bold request right here. Now, Elijah asked, so I think Elijah said, okay, buddy, you asked, so I'm going to tell you. Now, why is this so bold? Because he's saying, Elijah, if you raised one from the dead, I pray the double portion on me that I'll raise two from the dead. Whatever you did, and Elijah did a lot, Elisha said, I want double. Now, I don't know about you and your life, but I believe this for every one of us. God wants you to walk in the double anointing. He wants you to walk with that mantle. No matter who you are, I believe this with Father God, that he, he extends the anointing from generation to generation to generation. He wants, he wants my kids to be mightier on this earth than me. He wants my grandkids to be double, triple, quadruple. But guess what? That doesn't just happen. It just doesn't happen by the fun of it. Verse 10. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. In other words, buddy, this is pretty deep. Nevertheless, if you see me, when I am taken away from you, it shall be so for you, but if not, it shall not be. Now what he's talking about, guys, if you read this out, Elijah's one of, I believe, two men in the Bible that they exited this earth alive. That this tornado, this whirlwind came and got him, sucked him right up. And, and the Lord said, or Elijah said to him, if you see me when I go up, then it's going to come on you. Now you know what I believe he was telling him? I believe he was saying this, because you stuck it out with me to the last second. When all those other 50 wouldn't do it, you kept serving me. And because you kept serving me, when you see me go up, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do this. And ultimately, you know what happens? This takes place. He sucked up and Elisha saw him. He witnessed the whole thing. Now, the reason I believe this is important, guys... Because Elisha got the double portion upon him, not because Elijah prophesied over that. I believe it was given to him because Elisha made the choice, I'm going to keep serving God. I'm going to keep doing what's right. I don't care what the other 50 are doing now. This morning, if Elijah walked in here, and he was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, if he walked in here today and prophesied over every one of us, you know what those prophecies are? Those prophecies are possibilities, not positively. You know why? Because every one of us in here, we play a part by our choices. You may have had the greatest things prophesied over your life, but if you quit serving God, if you turn your back on God, those things aren't going to happen. Think about this in Elisha's life. If he would have quit serving Elijah, if he would have quit doing what was right, this would have never happened. Never. Now, in this passage right here, think about this. Elijah was the man of God. He was the big wig. Elisha was what? He was a servant. Think about this. You don't become the man of God until you've be first become the servant of God. You're going to have to serve and serve and make a choice. I'm going to serve. In other words, you're not going to start down there and up here. 
Now, thank you, and with, with that thought in mind, turn over a couple books to 2 Kings chapter 5. And I want to show you a passage in here, and you're going to learn something from this today. That I believe this is going to help you. It's going to influence on how you make choices. 2 Kings 5 verse 1. Now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Syria. He was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. But he was a leper. Now leper wasn't good in their society. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and they had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. So you know what that means? She was a Hebrew girl. She was a Jewish girl. She was a covenant girl. So she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, Naaman's wife, If only my master, Naaman, were with the prophet who is in Samaria. You know who the prophet was in Samaria? Elisha. The one who's got the double and portion on him right now. He said if, she was, uh, if he was only with the prophet who was in Samaria. For he would heal him of his leprosy. Now I'm sure Naaman's wife's thinking what you talking about Willis? I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? I believe he, she was just telling him. Man there's a prophet named Elisha. And he's the man of the hour with the power. Man if we get him over there he'll heal him. Now I want you to look at something. Now remember, this guy Elisha was a servant just a couple pages ago. I want to skip here real quick, but I want you to see a couple verses here. Look at verse of 8. It says, So it was when Elisha, the man of God. So was when Elisha, the man of God. Now he's no longer the servant. He's the man of God. And so what ends up happening here, and I'm going to paraphrase it just for time's sake. They take Naaman and they find Elisha. And Elisha says, okay, buddy, here's the deal. You go to the Jordan seven times and dip in the Jordan River, and when you come up, you'll be healed. Well, this ticked Naaman off. He wanted Elisha to come and pray for him and lay hands on him. And Elisha said, no, just, just obey what I've told you to do. So thank God Naaman had a servant boy. He said, listen, let's just obey. Let's just obey what he said. Now, turn with me in the same book. Chapter or verse 14, same chapter, verse 14. So Naaman went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of who? The man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Verse 15. And Naaman returned to the man of God. Now I want you to understand this real clearly here. He didn't get the title of the man of God just because it was said you're the man of God. He got that title because he made right choices. He started out as a servant and he said, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to do what's right. So here, all of a sudden, it says in verse 15, And Naaman returned to the man of God. He and all his aides, and they came and stood before Elisha and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And so he wanted a blessing, but he refused. Now, this is where we're really going to learn about some choices and things. Same chapter, verse number 20. But Gehazi, 
the servant of Elisha, the man of God. Now you see right there, Gehazi's now the servant and Elisha's the man of God. But because Elisha had made those great choices in his life, remember he was the servant. See, God wants to promote us. He wants to bless us. And so now Gehazi's with him. So look what it says here. But Gehazi, the servant Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared name in this Syrian while not receiving from his hand. But what, but what he brought, but as the Lord lives, I will run after him and I'll take something from him. So you know what Gehazi's got? He's got this great thought. I hadn't done anything to get anything. But you know what? He should have taken it because he didn't take it. I'll just go after it. I'll go get some. Verse 21. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And Gehazi said, All is well. My master has sent me. And you know what that is? That's a big fat lie is what that is. His master didn't tell him to do this. So right here, guys, you begin to see something in Gehazi's life. He made a choice right here to lie. And you're going to begin to see that Gehazi had some serious character flaws, which were a choice of his. And when I make bad choices like he does, ultimately it'll get me. So he said, my master sent me saying, indeed, just now, two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give me a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Now, not only has he lied, now he's concocting this story. He said, man, I got, I got to really start laying it on him. Man, I want something from him. Verse 23. So Naaman said, please take two talents. And he urged him. He bound two talents of silver and two bags. And with two changes of garments and handed them to two of his servants, they carried them on ahead of him. And he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand, stored them away in the house. Then he let the men go and they departed. Now it says he stored them in the house. You know what he did? He hid them. Now remember last week I said this. Anytime you've got to hide stuff you're doing, it's usually a pretty good sign that something's wrong. If you can't do stuff right out in the open... Don't do it. So you know what I'm telling you? If you're going to sin, just be bold about it. Just be bold about it. And look what happens here in verse 26. Or verse 25. Now he went in and stood before his master. And Elijah said to him, Where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant didn't go anywhere. I didn't go anywhere. I've been out back, kicked back on the recliner, drinking lemonade. You're a liar. Now, once again, do you see where he's going? With? He, he makes the choice again to lie. And look what happens in verse 26. Then Elisha said to him, Did not my heart go with you when the, man, when the man turned back in his chariot to meet you? In other words, the Lord had revealed to Elisha everything that had happened. And so he reads Elisha's, or he reads Gehazi's mail. And you can imagine what Gehazi's thinking. Oh my gosh, I'm caught. And so Elisha says to him, Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing? Olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you. The leprosy that was on... 
because of your lousy choices, the very leprosy that was on Naaman will cling to you. Now, when you cross-reference that, if you'll look real close around where it says Naaman's leprosy would cling to him, it cross-references back into the New Testament into 1 Timothy 6.10. You know what 1 Timothy 6.10 says? For the love of money is the root of all evil. So you know what ultimately got Gehazi? Greed. Greed. And you know what? When you live by greed and you live for money, ultimately you're going to become a, a liar. You're going to become someone that's going to do anything you can to get it. And so this is what happened to this guy. And he said, the leprosy that was on Naaman is going to come upon you. And P.S. There's one other thing I ought to let you know. Check this out. You and your descendants forever. The very leprosy that he was going to get. And so once again, you know what I see? Exactly what we read in Romans 5. Because of one man's disobedience, it became on many. So once again, not only because of Gehazi's lie and his bad choices did it affect him, it was going to affect his children. And it was going to keep going on and keep going on and keep going on. So many times, you know what we think? Ah, uh, it's just a little choice. It's just a little lie. Ah, I just stretched the truth just a little bit. See, once again, in this passage... God wants to bless us. And you know what? I believe with all my heart that as Elijah's double portion went upon Elisha, I believe this, guys, that in that same setting, the double portion that was on Elisha, God wanted to move it to Gehazi. But because of Gehazi's choices, God couldn't do that. And so even in our own lives... I believe God wants to do that. I believe the, the anointing that's on Pastor Daniel and Stella, that the double will go to all his kids when they serve God and make good choices. But not only that, then the double will go to his grandkids. And see, I believe this is what God's wanting to do for us. I mean, my greatest desire, guys, is that my children walk in a double portion than I had. I wanted to keep going, but guess what? I realize a lot of this is going to come down to my choices. What am I doing? I like the thought, man of God. I like, man, you're a man of God. I like to look in the mirror and say, you're a man of God. But you know what? The proof of the pudding's always in the eating. You can call yourself a man of God, but you live like the devil or make horrible choices. It's not going to happen. Thank you for that excitement. You know, you can live in regret and disappointment if you want. Some of you kind of act like you kind of like it there. But I'm here to tell you that you don't have to. God's got other plans. I'm going to take you to a couple more passages that are real close to each other. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. I'm going to show you some things right here in the scripture here that will begin to help you. Give you a clear understanding. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, then Deuteronomy. You're turning there. Listen, I wrote this down, some things about perseverance. Perseverance is not about your talent or your time. Perseverance is about finishing. Perseverance says this, talents provide hope for my assignment, but perseverance guarantees it. In other words, 
you got to just keep on doing what you're going to do. Day by day by day by day. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep on doing right. I'm going to keep on doing right. How long do you got to do that, Pastor? The rest of your life. Just keep on, keep on. See, so many times we want shortcuts. So many times we want God to move. There are no shortcuts. I just keep on, I keep on. In due season, you'll reap if you faint not. How long is due season, Pastor? I don't know. I don't sign the checks. God does. But you know what I do know? As long as I remain, he's going to move. He's going to move. He's going to move. He's going to be faithful. Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you will go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Maulites, all the otherites. There's a bunch of ites in there. And you see right here, he's saying, you're, you're going to have to go after these ites. And what I want each one of us to understand, the ites don't go away just with time. Sometimes we got this in the back of our mind, we'll outgrow this. You're not going to outgrow things, guys, unless you deal with them. And so my point in saying that is every one of us in this room deal with ites. What's your ites today? The lackites, the husbandites, the kidites, the grouchyites. I mean, I can keep listing them. And each one of us are going to have some different ites in our life. But what we can't do, we can't sweep them under the rug and think, well, someday. Because when I live with someday, guess what? Someday never comes. And before long, you're in your early 50s and you realize, where did life go? And so i got to start dealing with these ites. Now listen to his instruction in verse 2. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, what's your job? You shall conquer them. You know what that tells me? God's going to empower me. He's going to strengthen me. But I'm going to have to walk it out. I'm going to have to overcome. And I overcome by the blood of the Lamb. But listen, this thing called procrastination, it doesn't get me nowhere. How many have the, and don't raise your hand, how many have the tendencies to procrastinate? Man, I used to be one of the procrastinators. I was the procrastinator king. But I realized I can't live that way. I'll never get anywhere. So first of all, he says, you got to conquer him. And then look what he says here next. And utterly destroy them. What are we going to destroy? The ites in our life that keep us from getting where God wants us to be. And so you know what utterly destroy means? you got to kill them. There's things in every one of our lives that keep us from walking in the victory God wants us. How many of you know some things in your life right now? You got some ites and you think, man, them dudes, have, they've dominated me. They've had me for years. Well, guess what? Here's a warning to you now. I'm going to go backwards back into Deuteronomy 6, and we're going to end with this right here. Verse 17. You shall diligently. What does the word diligently mean? When I feel like it? No. You shall diligently, diligent, you know what the word diligently means? You're going to have to learn to agree with God in your everyday, every aspect of your life when you will diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God. 
His testimonies, his statutes, which he has commanded. You know, you know what that is? That's a choice. To diligently keep the commandments of God. That even means like God. Guys, you can't lie. And when we start lying, guys, we've broke God's commands. Some people, you know what? They say, I didn't know lying was wrong. Maybe you didn't know lying was wrong. Well, you do today. It's wrong. You keep doing those lies, guys. I'm going to tell you, it's not good. We live in a society, guys, where we think it's okay to lie. It's not okay to lie. I believe God's just looking for people of truth that will continue day after day after day to say, you know what? I'm going to diligently do what God wants. And then look what he says in verse 18. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. You shall do what's right. Now, you know what that's got to come from? I've got to get that in my heart. And I've got to begin to say, Lord, I'm going to do what's right in your sight. I want to live to please you every day. Now, I'm not saying you're going to live perfect. Man, I tell you, I think, I, I want to live for you today, Lord. I want to live right with you. And see, many times in our life, we want everything in our life to change, but we don't want to change our lifestyles. That's not how it works. You know what the definition of insanity is? When you keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Tell you, I believe God's saying change, change. And my point in is all this today is I believe God wants you to wear a mantle. I believe God wants the double portion to come upon you. But how many times in our life do we live way beneath what God wants us to? I mean, God wanted to bless Gehazi, but because of his lousy choices. And so each one of us, things are going to happen in our life. We've got to keep serving God and keep serving God and keep, keep doing what's right. And when you do mess up, repent of it. What gets me in trouble is when I quit doing what's right and then I never repent. I think I can do what I want. And don't put God on the clock. What do you mean by that? Well, God, I'm giving you 60 minutes. I'm giving you a week. See, we live in this society as Americans. When things don't happen on our timetable, God doesn't work. God's not moving. See, what happens? We pull up to an ATM and we can get money just like that. You pull up to McDonald's, you can get a drink sometimes in 12 seconds. You can press that button and have popcorn in 2 minutes and 10 seconds. And so when God doesn't move in those times, we get mad. We get mad instead of having the Elisha heart that says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to keep serving God. And you don't have to serve God grudgingly. You know, sometimes Christians, whoa, man, it's tough being a Christian. Man, it's so hard to be a Christian. I want to say, what God do you serve? I don't get up in the mornings and say, crapperific, i got to serve God again today. And I won't get up and say, praise the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord with all our heart. It's not hard for me to serve God. And if you were uh, the sinner that I was, I look, I think, thank God, God would even accept me. All the junk I did in my life. But day by day, day by day. day by, remember what the Lord said? Obedience is better than sacrifice. You know what that is? Just do what's right. And I hear the Lord saying to me, just do what's right. Just do what's right. If my people would just do what's right. And so that's the question I ask you. Are you doing what's right? If, if you're not, start today. Start saying, okay, Father God, I'm going to get into this and I'm going to serve you. And I don't care if it takes years. I don't care. You know, many of you will know Pastor Troy down in Roswell. Pastor Troy got born again right around 20 years old. 
And he had a similar past to mine. We weren't, man, we were not angels. We were dark angels. We lived for the devil incredibly growing up like that. But when he gave his heart to God at 20, he became pure the rest of his life. And he said, Lord, I'm going to serve you until I get married. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to get into sexual immorality anymore in my life. And the year went by. And two years went by. And he was saying, Father God, I desire to be married. And God was saying, just keep serving me. Three years went by. Four years went by. And I began to tell him, you're going to be a eunuch, dude. Five years went by. Six years. And he finally met his wife, Julie, who they're married to now. And God blessed him. Gave him a great wife. You know why? He wouldn't settle. And you know what Troy said one day? He said to the Lord, he said, Lord, why did it take you six years for you to bring me my wife? You know what the Lord said to him? Because I was having to develop you to be the husband she needed. He said, if she had got a hold of you in that first... See, that's a lot of times with us. God looks at us and we say, oh, just bless me, God. And God goes... If I wanted to bless you with how he wanted to, a lot of times we couldn't handle it. There's many of you in the room today, if he gave you a million dollars, it'd wreck you. You know why you're not capable of handling it? Stand up before I get in trouble. But see that.